On today's show, the Cavs have a real win streak, and they're making some progress. What a time. Let's, we'll talk all about that on a new Locked On Cavs for Saturday, November 18th. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA and use code all overcase locked in NBA for your first deposit match up to 100 bucks. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always. And we're here to talk about Cavs Pistons. Cleveland wins 108 to 100. One and one now in NBA Cup group play. No Donovan Mitchell in this one. Evan, what's your big takeaway from Cavs-Pistons? Uh, Cavs fans may complain about J.B. Bakerstaff, but they should be counting their blessings. They don't have Monty Williams coaching this team. Talking to a friend of the program, Jordan Christmas, about this during the game, I, I was mad for Jaden Ivey and Asura Thompson, who was only played two minutes in the second half. But in the grand scheme of things, I would say no Mitchell, no problem in this game. I think... The expectation, at least, is when you're playing a team that has won two games on the year so far, only one on the road, um, you should be able to take care of business even without your arguably your best player. And I think it certainly showed. Uh, I think they had six, maybe seven players scoring double digits. Six players scoring double digits. And then uh, George Niang and um, was well, not too far behind in terms of just uh, contributions, I think. The Cavs just got a lot of high-energy contributions from the guys who did play meaningful minutes in this one, and uh, there there were moments the Pistons made it close, but it never really felt like it was out of hand for Cleveland in this one. That, that, that's the kind of win you need, especially when we talk about how it felt like they were turning a corner um, after those wins against Golden State, and they turned turn a corner right into a wall. Well, they had a pretty strong win against Portland, and it seemed like there was a little bit of positive momentum there, and there was some good things to go with some of the bad, but mostly in this game that the Cavs can definitely build off of heading into Sunday's tilt against Denver. Yeah. And I, you know, I think as far as group play goes, as far as you much, you want to care about this Cleveland now has at least a little bit of, of a shot here. I, I think that's the other part of this is their chances of winning it are, they're not behind. They're not in a great position, right? So they're third round. They're one and one. Indy's still two and zero. Oh. The 76ers are two and one. And Cleveland's next game, I believe, in group play is against Philly. Mm-hmm. Their point differential is lagging behind those two teams ahead of them right now. They have to play Atlanta still as well. The Pistons are out of it. Cavs and Hawks are one and one. Cleveland has to win these their last two games within the group here if they're gonna make a push here. The, the way they lost Indiana, I think, definitely hurt them in, in their chances of, of making any kind of run here within Group A. So it, as far as that goes, they have at least a shot. But I think, Evan, as far as the win itself, I think everything you said is correct. Like, you don't have Mitchell. And I will talk about the offense. And I have a stat that caught my eye that I think explains some of the, the weirdness of this game. But they kind of just did enough and push back against some Pistons runs and held control of this game. Um, Darius Garland, I think as a scorer deserves a lot of credit for that and getting to the line and finding his spots. It, you know, it was, cause this wasn't a game that we've seen so far this year, right? Where like Karis mm-hmm. Levert 
was really efficient and did his job. Karis LeVert was 4-14 from the field, 1-6 from 3, only had 10 points in this game. This was Garland. This was Jared Allen in some spots. This was Max Struess again, who's been awesome this year. This was Evan Mobley having a really efficient 8-12 of 12 night and going and having 10 boards and having 5 assists. This was a pretty overall team win to just do enough, get through the night, get to 500 at 6-6, six and six, get two wins in a row. And, and all the things we said on Friday's show, all the things that you could look at this team and say, I'm a little worried about X, Y, or Z, or whatever it is. They're 6-6. Six and six. You would think they're going to get healthier, improve a little bit. They're probably going to be fine, even if this opening stretch of the season has been optimal. That's what winning a game like this, I think, gives you a chance to be. I agree with you, and I think more encouraging for me, at least, uh, you saw this offense adapt a little bit to how the Pistons were playing them. Like The, the Cavs were certainly more trigger-happy from three, a little sloppy and careless with the ball, uh, just open up in the first quarter. And then I, I think a lot of it was personnel-based. I know Max Struess was on the floor at the time, but like when Craig Porter Jr. checked in, I'm not saying like, I mean, I'll, I'll tip my hand here a little bit. He's my player of the night, but like when he checked in, it was a lot of it was personnel-based where the Cavs just started applying a lot of pressure at the rim, and you noted it. Like it had a little bit of a trickle-down effect where the Cavs just started playing downhill and found, found a way to just keep applying pressure to the Pistons at the rim. It, it got them a lot of free-throw opportunities, 21 overall, 15 of 21 from the free-throw line. As you noted, Garland was super aggressive in this one, the leading free throw uh, obtainer for Cleveland in this game. And I, I think just seeing that shift and also like that kind of having like a bit of an inverse effect on the three point shooting output, like they, they were hitting a super efficient clip at one point, but they ended up hitting about 43% to finish the game in this one. And like, whereas the Pistons hit 25% on almost 40 attempts, like, yeah, the, the Cavs, uh, kind of just played how the Pistons were playing them and they took it to their advantage, just provided constant pressure on Detroit and, you know, just really stayed at home because the Pistons aren't a good three-point shooting team. And it was a very much a recipe for success on either end of the floor. But, like, offensively, you saw them adapt to who they had available and also just, like, how the Pistons are playing them. And I think we were talking about how things felt a little off in terms of the eye test. This is one of those nights where you're like, okay, the eye test is really backing up some of these numbers the Cavs are putting up in like the first two frames, three frames, and then eventually the closing moments before uh, the quartet of Thompson, Merrill, Jones, and Bates check in. Um, that like really just kind of exemplify like the Cavs do are feeling themselves out a little bit. Uh, we can talk about this in the third segment, but like JP Bakerstaff admitted pregame that like. He is kind of like an advocate of, okay, 20 games in, I start to evaluate like what is and isn't working and maybe start making actual adjustments. So this is maybe one of those games where the Cavs can sign like, yeah, this is this is something that works for us. And it is another example of them playing downhill that worked for them. Segment three is going to be a lot of Craig Porter Jr. talking. You have him as your MVP. Well, so there's going to be a lot of that coming. He was one of the bright spots, I think, of this game. That's undeniable. But we're going to talk about him as we go. I mean, I, let's just let's talk about Moby for a second. I, st- I still think there are moments in this game where you st- see him struggling to process what exactly to do quickly in the short roll and in that space in the middle. But I like, you know, he had a turnover in this game where he was trying to hit Jared Allen for a lob. I like that he threw that pass. I like that he, you know, was confident late in this game to get just a drive where no one marked him, but he just took advantage and went for it. Mm. I thought this was another pretty solid, assertive Evan Mobley offensive game. It's not the the biggest feasting of everything, right? It's not the biggest like monster performance as a scorer, but I this is the template I think for more of what you'd want to see in terms of his passing. He has the five assists. 
Um, and he had the 18 points. Like it was, it, this was like a more than enough for Mobley if this is the way he's going to play. Yeah, and to your point, like Mobley having the ball in his hands more, uh, he was falling out of bounds, and it quite literally resulted in one of the best plays of the season so far, the best play of the night in my eyes, in that Max Struess poster where like, Mobley just kind of lost control of the ball, uh, was falling out of bounds. It just kicked the ball right back up to the top of Struess, who had more than enough room to kind of get a full head of steam downhill and uh, ruin a Sir Thompson's night and um, having SB Nation's uh, Kofi even say, like, let's just send the rest of the season at this point. Man, the Pistons are down bad. Uh, my, my thoughts with them. But um, yeah, I, it's stuff like that. Where you're like, okay. And there's even like an instance where like Mobley brought the ball up towards the end of the game before he subbed out where he brought it up to the top of the perimeter. Uh, saw that Detroit like was not going to like, he had like a pretty wide open lane to get to the basket. He just pulled, picked up, uh, dribbled straight to the basket and had a really clean dunk and just went right back on defense. Like, yeah, I think allowing him to kind of practice some of his playmaking, some of his ball handling and live game reps that aren't against the same teammates is helpful. And if you can get those opportunities to kind of practice those things against another team, or even if it's a bad team like Detroit, it certainly helps a lot. Coming up after this, we're going to get into game awards. That's MVP stat of the night and play of the night. So we'll do that right up after this. Today's episode is brought to you by today's title sponsor, and that is our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you versus the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and shark, you pick more or less than two than two on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Basketball season is here, obviously, and you cannot pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports leagues. For instance, you could go LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. PrizePix also offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half, and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedInNBA and use our code LockedInNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA, code LockedInNBA, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, that is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Game Awards. Evan, I'm going to go Darius Garland because... 28 points, no Donovan Mitchell. Cleveland just needed someone to take on the scoring role. He did it at all three levels, particularly on a night where Karis LeVert was not at his best. He handled a lot of it. I, you know, It wasn't a great Garland assist to turnover game once again, committing some kind of undarious Garland-like turnovers in spots. But 28, hit some pull-up threes, got to the free throw line. I They needed a Garland game like this to beat Detroit. So I talked about this a bit um, when Garland was out or maybe just in those games where neither uh, Garland or Mitchell can get it going. But like this was a game at least where um, the the Cavs had their second best player step up to the plate and shoulder the load scoring wise. Like you said, not a great night tonight assisted turnover wise. But I think if you're the Cavs, you're willing to uh, 
address it with it with whether it's film review or internally and just kind of like make it a focus but like obviously you swallow that bitter pill tonight because it helped you get a win because i noted this right away like yes it's the pistons yes like they aren't they're one of the worst teams along with the wizards in basketball currently but the Cavs just flow a lot differently on offense because I noticed like early in the game, there's a lot of movement, a lot of off ball cuts. I think Garland's able to kind of just get the ball in certain spots that maybe guys like Mitchell or Lavert or even Strews can't. And that's no discredit to those guys. It's just Garland is the best at that, at that respective skill on the Cavs roster uh, overall. So I, I just think like you, you want him to be aggressive, the ball in his hands. He's going to have way more shot opportunities because Donovan Mitchell's not on the floor. Of course, he's going to try and get everyone else involved. But I think this is just a game where you're like, okay, Darius, we need to score a lot more than maybe the 15 to 18 points per game you've been putting up up before this point. And he certainly delivered. So like, yeah, this is a great MVP pick other than my pick, which is Craig Porter Jr. Like this is the most logical pick in my eyes. Let's let's tell me what you tell me. Give me some thoughts on Craig Porter Jr. I have a bigger discussion we're gonna ha- again have sure. on him in segment three. But in this game, what stood out to you? Uh, I just he very much like I I joke saying like he's not quite equipped to be the backup point guard for the Cavs permanently, but like he's had a pretty solid stretch of games just with the Cavs dealing with so many injuries and getting his number called on that he may be one of those dudes that just never really ends up suiting up for the charge because he is just better utilized with the Cavs because of the injuries they're dealing with or how the rotations are kind of finicky and picky. But like Porter definitely plays within himself. I think he scored in bunches right away. I think my favorite play, my original play the night before the Max Struess dunk uh, that everyone knows about was Porter drove to the basket, had like a behind-the-back 360 dribble move where the defense collapsed on him, and then he kicked it right back out to George Niang, who just then hit a wide-open three-pointer. And that's kind of what you need in terms of just, like, playing with that downhill pressure that I talked about that the Cavs played with all game. And you get it with Garland a lot, of course, and then you get it more with Porter. Like, it's good to have that continuity and just a guy who is competent enough to make the plays and also comfortable enough to make the plays. And he, he just played well in this game. I think he was a bit of a spark for them off the bench and certainly kind of started setting the momentum for them in the first quarter after the Cavs kind of looked a little topsy-turvy and a little erratic to open the game. Yeah, he he was... He is, of the two-way guys, the one that is kind of, I think, proven to be most useful in the short term, but we'll talk about that again coming up later. Do you, you know something that's always just weird? Hmm. Darius Garland are actually the same age, so like... It's really it's really screwy. It's, it is it's, really, really it's screwy. screwy to think because he's a rookie and Darius is in his uh-huh. fourth or fifth year, fifth yeah. year. Yeah. Darius has uh, already signed his second NBA contract and Craig Porter Jr. is on his first NBA contract. Yeah. And so like cause he was asked about that once post game because Craig came to the podium after mm-hmm. having a, another pretty good night for Cleveland. He's like, oh, does Darius ever tell you anything? He's like, well, or is like Darius a bit of a mentor? He's like, well, Darius and I are actually the same age. So, <laughs> But like, yeah, there's stuff he can teach me just because he's been doing this for a lot longer. But I don't know. I think the Cavs may have found a bit of a diamond in the rough. Like I'm not saying like Matthew Delvadova, like that same arc, but like an undrafted point guard that played four solid years in college and can give you more of the same within 20, 25 minutes tops at the peak of his career. Like ideally, if that's what you get out of Craig Porter Jr. for the Cavs, like, yeah, two thumbs up because you finally answer the need for a young backup point guard behind Darius Garland. All right. My stat of the night. Weird three-point discrepancy in this game. Both teams made nine. Pistons took 35. The Cavs took 21. 
lowest of the the total low, lowest Cavs three point total before this night was twenty six, down to twenty one in this game. I think you could explain some of that by just Mitchell being out. He's obviously got one of the highest three point rates on the team. Takes a ton of threes. Takes a ton of shots in general. It was just noticeable, like that they took twenty one, and that if the Pistons who you know you know don't shoot the three that well and and have some spacing issues, particularly with some injuries. They make a couple more of these, it's a slightly different game. And I look at that and just say, okay, is this a one-off Mitchell thing? Is this a contraction some way? I tend to think it's just a Mitchell thing, but for this one night, it was weird to see the Cavs uh, be in that situation as far as three goes. Evan, what's your stat? Well, first off, I was listening despite my phone making an hours. That is an interesting stat just to like, kind of crystallize that this wasn't a normal game by any stretch for the Cleveland. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. The, the Cavs kind of found what was working for them. They obviously weren't gun shy from three point range, but like they still were, you know, much more efficient than Detroit was in terms of shooting wise. But like they just found ways that worked for them. But um, my stat of the night is it's just simple. Uh, this is the first two game winning streak on the season. I, I literally wrote in the notes simple as like it's weird to think uh, like in the month of November, every time the Cavs won a game, they immediately lost one. And now they kind of exercise that demon a little bit I, i'm curious to see if it goes to three against denver on sunday i think that's definitely going to be like a gut check to like kind of maybe give you some full spectrum analysis of like where the Cavs are at compared to the defending nba champs but again it's also too early in the season to give that full evaluation but either way like um it's just i guess encouraging to see the Cavs kind of keep building positive momentum instead of having a good game where a lot of stuff worked and there's some stuff that needs to be ironed out and then you watch everything kind of fall apart by the wayside the following game all right uh play of the night we have the same one it's the only one uh max Struess catching a body for the second game in a row um i so some people may be surprised by this but go look up his dunk he had with DePaul. i forget who they were playing but like yeah, it was pretty good a, yeah it's a nasty nasty poster but like I I know it's a cliche. People joke about these a lot, but like when it comes to white guys, but Struess really is like sneaky athletic, like really can have some hops and some emphasis to it. And um, I, I like looking at the photos from all the angles. Like I love the uh, the under the basket shot where like everyone from the Cavs is just like staring. And then like Jared Allen's like sitting there confused on the bench waiting to check or like on the uh, at the stanchion waiting to check in or like the shot Jimmy Longo got like with Thompson trying his best to defend it. But like, Man, that was kind of like a tone setter. And I was talking about this too leading to the game, but um, it felt similar to like when Donovan Mitchell had that massive, nasty dunk on Yuta Watanabe in Brooklyn. And then the Cavs kind of lost momentum for a bit and had to claw and scrap into it. Whereas this dunk for Struess like really put the nail in the coffin for the first half. Detroit put up a fight in the third quarter, but like really did set the tone to like, okay, this this Cavs team is going to like dare Detroit to either foul them or they're going to get bullied like this by their starting shooting guard no less all right coming up after this craig porter jr talk is it time to just let him have the backup point guard role for a stretch of time we'll talk about that up next today's episode is brought to you by jace medical we spend a lot of time talking together you and i we get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts and who sits, I'm thankful for the connection we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? You're being on extended travel, bring on the next natural disaster, 
or supply chain issue, you are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or Revato prescription. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace, quote, I'm thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut my pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone, end quote. If you or someone you love would like to get peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember, use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. All right, Craig Porter Jr., Evan, on a two-way deal, so we have to remember that he is capped out of the maximum number of days he can spend with the team. I also think it's just fundamentally oh, true. Is he is he capped out? I think there is a cap. I'm there, pretty there sure there is. I, there is. I just didn't know if he was like they hate no, 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 already. I'm like, Sheesh. no, 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 no. He's got a ways to go, but like he can't be like an every game guy unless you convert his contract. Is is the point? If it was yeah. like three games, that would be like an insane cap. That would make any sense. He also probably would not be playing. I think not even probably would not be playing if the Cavs were fully healthy. That said, I think while you're dealing with these injuries, while Ty Jerome is out, while Isaac Okoro is still in the sidelines, while Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are both dealing with some some knocks here and there, and maybe they're going to miss some time here or there, and you don't have Ricky Rubio, and you don't really have the flexibility to go out and get someone else and for cap reasons and for trade reasons... Maybe it's time just to give him 15 to 20 minutes. I think based on the way he played, the composure, the shot making, just some of the moves he made in this game, I don't hate just giving him 15 to 20 minutes and giving him the backup point guard role. For like a two weeks. For two weeks. Oh, like, what's the okay. harm for two weeks? You know? Like, no, what are you going to do? I agree with you. And I was thinking about... Um the backup point guard position and like you look at Detroit and I know Monty Morris has a quadriceps in or quadricep injury right now. And like, if he's healthy, maybe that's a dude, the Cavs can make, maybe make a stab at just because it's a one year contract worth 8.7 million. And it's been reported that the bulls are asking for two first round picks from out for Alex Caruso. So uh, let's just say goodbye to that dream. Like I'm waving to the camera right now to say goodbye to uh, yeah the Caruso coming to Cleveland. If it, the asking price is, Again, two first round Multiple picks for first. a twenty nine year old. <laughs> well, so. can it just just on that note though? Just on that note, I that guy is would would be worth it for the right team to do that. He is he would be like if it's two bad first round picks. If it's like a top twenty protected first and a late first for well, nine million dollars, the return the Blazers got for Drew Holiday, and I like Alex Caruso, but Drew Holiday is like at my ceiling. Alex Caruso is at my mic. Yeah, yeah. But if it's like, but it, but so Jake Fisher Yahoo reports multiple firsts, right? If it's multiple firsts, and it's like one's like a fake first that becomes second, and the other one is like the twenty eighth pick, and you're a team that's trying to like make the finals, f it. Like he's also on a bargain contract. Like he's making nine million dollars this year, nine million dollars next year. That is like four, like going to be like four or five million below the mid-level exception. Like that's like a cap hack amid this point where you have all these different 
things now. Like there's just like value in a contract that cheap where the Bulls can like probably get that from someone if they want to. Like I think they're gonna. It, it might be like a like one first that's like not really a first, but like he's good enough where he's gonna he could like swing a a play. Like I'm not saying he's Drew Holiday. I'm not saying he's Dame. But like he's he could get two firsts and it wouldn't shock. It like would not shock me. It would not shock me. It's not going to be seconds in Rubio. I think we know that. Like, it's not going to be seconds in Dean Wade. Like, it's the Cavs don't have the ammo to go get him. It's kind of clear. So, to your point, let's just say they never get a backup point guard and Ricky Rubio ever comes back. Um, I agree with you. Like, in the in the event that guys are dinged up like they are currently, like you can't not play Craig Porter Jr. because like he has earned minutes after playing well over the last few games for Cleveland. But I made this X post tweet, whatever the heck, uh, Mr. Facelift um, and practical truck designer says it is. Um, Craig Porter Jr. just might be like a, a case of a guy who may not be good enough right now to play in the NBA, but he's too good to play in the G League currently. Like you could go send him down to the charge and let him get 30 minutes a night with Mike Garrity and the charge and Amani Bates and Isaiah Mobley, but like he provides you a more immediate need. And I think he does show that poise, comfort and control where you're like, at least if I'm JD Bakerstaff, I can say, okay, I, I trust Craig Porter Jr. playing 15 to 20 minutes a night for us running our offense primarily with the bench unit, not doing too much on offense, staying within himself because he knows that's what's going to get him minutes, especially because he just plays hard on defense. And like, that's the last thing Like he plays hard on defense. Like he gives you enough of everything that like you need just out of a backup guard that gets you 15, that 15 to 20 minute mark that uh, softens the blow of not really having a traditional backup point guard behind Darius Garland on a nightly basis. Let me ask you this before we, this as a last thing. Three two-way guys this year, Isaiah Mobley, Amani Bates, Craig Porter Jr. Who would you say is, would you if you had to pick one right now that was most likely to be on the 15-man roster opening night next year, who is it? Ooh, next year? Next year. I would say both Amani Bates and Craig Porter Jr. I, 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 I you can't, know it, no, no, don't, no hedging. No hedging. Got to pick just one of them. No hedging. Got to just pick one. I would one. say Craig Porter Jr. just because he has a much, much lower ceiling than Bates. Uh, I still don't quite know what Isaiah Mobley can be, but like he's a huge upgrade over Sharif Cooper in terms of isn't Craig Porter Jr. over like playmaking and upside like that, that like there's a pretty clear path for him to getting minutes on this current iteration of the Cavs just because of what he just provides you. Despite, despite excuse me, like being 6'1", 180, like plays bigger than what he actually is mm-hmm. as a player. Kind of like that, that yeah. Ricky Rubio vibe when Rubio was healthy. Exactly. I, I'm in agreement with you. All right, we're going to end there. Back at you Monday after Cavs Nuggets. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always. Don't eat too much chicken on Sunday. It's bad for your gut to inhale that many chicken nuggets in, in one sitting for Cavs versus Nuggets. Unless like you're able to. Uh, and then Godspeed if you do. You know what? Could you Producer do- of the show, Jake Stevens, if he agrees to it, I'll buy the chicken McNuggets. He can film himself eating the chicken nuggets and he can just put himself as like a little overlay video in like the lower, I don't know, it's just like the lower, like third, top third of the screen. It's just him eating the nuggets during the episode. Like he can speed it up to make sure it matches the pace of the episode. But if he agrees Might need to, to be the cook- we need to be the cookie bar from your wedding, I think, if we're going to have Jake just crush a bunch of food. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy the weekend.
Peace out, Boy Scouts. <laughs>